Uh, here on the heels of Valentine's Day, it seemed especially important to me to find out what John had to say about God's love and as importantly, what we're supposed to do with it. Amen. What are we supposed to do with the love of God? You see, while true, unconditional love may be very rare in our world, that unconditional love should be a mainstay in the life of Christians. It should be a mainstay in the life of our church. Paul even said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he said, And now abide faith. Faith is pretty important, amen? But he also said, now abides hope. Hope's pretty important too. But he also said, now abides love. And the greatest of these is love. Amen. Last week we found that the Apostle John has been incredibly, dramatically touched by the depths of God's love for the very people who have sinned against Him, who have rebelled against Him, and to those who have even denied and refused Him. And in John's first three letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, John mentions love more than 40 times. But he also mentions the phrase, love one another, six times. This was pretty important to God. And therefore, it's pretty important to John. In 1 John chapter 4, that's going to be on page 1084 in the Bibles in front of you thereabouts. In that passage that we're going to read here in a moment, we're going to see the life-changing relationship between God's love for us, our love for God, and our love for other people. So let's read it together. In 1 John chapter 4, I'm going to begin in verse 7. John says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins, to be the payment that satisfies our sin debt. Verse 11, John says, Beloved, if God so loved us, if God loved us that much, we also ought to love one another. Today, John answers three questions regarding how God's love flows to us and then how God's love is supposed to flow through us. The first question that John answers is this, how is God's love defined? How is God's love defined? In verse 7 he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. But he who does not love does not know God. For listen, God is love. 
He is love. Now, when John says, beloved, let us love one another, what John is literally saying is this. He's saying, hey, loved ones, love. You who have been loved by God, love one another. You see, love starts with God. It begins with God, then it comes to us individually, and it's intended to be passed on to other people. But then John says something very profound. Not that we serve a loving God. John says, no. God is love. God is the very personification of love. Well, I got to ask. How do I know the definition of love? I have to look to God. I have to look to God. See, whatever human beings know about love, it's revealed from God. That's the only way you're going to know anything about true love. So how then is God's love defined? Well, until you know how much God loves you, there's no way you're going to understand what God's love is all about. There's no way. So how is God's love defined? Friends, it is so simple, yet it's so profound. God's love is so shallow, yet it's so deep. And that makes it very, very difficult for us to fathom. Here is God's love. That God sent his love to us in the person of his only son, Jesus Christ. Friend, this is the love that you and I are called to impart to other people. But how? Bill, how am I supposed to impart the love of God to other people? Well, John points out three ways very quickly. That three ways that our walk with God can help other people experience his love. The very love that we have received from God. Because loved ones love. Here's what he says. He says, loving one another shows that you and I are walking in the light of God. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 10, John said, He who loves his brother abides in the light. If you are in fellowship with God, you are going to be able to love others. Period. But if you're out of fellowship with God, you're going to find it really easy to hate other people. And you're going to find it really easy to walk in darkness. But loving one another also shows that we're walking in the life of God. John says in 1 John 3, 14, that we know that we have passed from death to life. Listen, here's how you know that you have passed from death to life. Because you love the brethren. That's how you know. That's how you know that you have passed from death to life. See, when we love one another like we're supposed to, what we're doing is we're actually revealing a little glimpse of how things are going to be in heaven. Ain't going to be no hate in heaven. It's only going to be love. Loving one another and loving God. But loving one another also shows that we're walking in the love of God. Now we're getting to the topic 
at hand. John says, when we love one another, when we walk as we should, when we walk in love, you know what we're doing? We're doing what God does. How about that? When you walk in God's love, you are doing what God does. So loving one another is a matter of light, not darkness. It's a matter of life, not death. It's a matter of love, not hate. Now, how many of you know that Christians ain't perfect? Come on. Y'all, we ain't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But we can show that we're walking in the light. We can show that we're walking in the life. And we can show that we're walking in the love of God when we love one another. That's how God's love is defined to a lost world. Loving one another reveals that I know God. It also reveals that I belong to God. Why? Because I'm loving one another. We're loving other people. Now, John answers a second question. And here it comes. How was God's love demonstrated? How was God's love demonstrated? In verse 9, John says, In this, the love of God was demonstrated. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. That God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. To be that payment. That satisfies our sin debt. Now in those verses. What John is doing. Is he's providing us with some tangible proof. He's providing us with some tangible evidence. That God loves you. Amen. He's providing proof. That God's love for you is genuine. This is how God demonstrated his love for you. Are you ready? Say amen. Here it comes. God sent his son. That's how he showed it. God sent his son that you might live. God sent his son to be the propitiation for your sins. To pay the debt that you couldn't pay. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God loves you. That's how God showed his love for you. And in 1 John 3, 16, John clearly makes a connection. Not only about God's love for us. But also, listen carefully, he tells us about our obligation to love other people. Look at 1 John 3, 16. By this we know love, because Jesus, he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Man, that's some difficult love right there. But that's the high call of God. That is our obligation as believers. That's our obligation as children of God. Is to love one another as Christ loved us. You see friend listen. God's love is not some abstract theoretical fabricated emotion. No. One day Jesus came and true love was expressed in a real way, in real actions, and that had a real impact on real people. God loved us in tangible ways and he calls you and I to love others in tangible ways. And since God gave his very best for us, we too ought to give our very best 
should the need call for it. But listen, have you ever thought for a second about allowing your child to die? You ever thought about allowing your child to die, say, for someone from another city? Ever thought about allowing your child to die for someone, say, from another country? Well, maybe you've heard about the man whose job it was to raise and to lower the railroad bridge that crossed a very deep, deep ravine. You see, one day there was a speeding train approaching. And as the man prepared to lower the drawbridge, he looked out his window and he saw his son playing out there on the bridge. If he lowered the drawbridge, his son would undoubtedly die. But if he didn't lower the drawbridge... Hundreds of passengers aboard that speeding train would certainly be killed. That's a terrible hypothetical situation. But I want to ask you a question. What would you do? Can I be honest with you? I don't know. I don't know what I'd do. But you know what? I'm glad that God didn't hesitate for a second. He sent His only begotten Son to be the payment that satisfied my sin debt. Didn't hesitate for a minute. Praise God. Amen, friends. Listen, we were saved because God sacrificed His Son. Because God gave up His Son so that we might live 1 John 4.14, the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. 1 John 3.16, Jesus laid down His life for us. 1 John 4.9, Jesus died so that we might live through Him. 1 John 3.5 says that Jesus was manifested to take away our sins. 1 John 1.7 said the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 4.10 said God's Son came to be the propitiation for our sins. The payment that satisfied your sin debt and mine. Friend, how... Could I possibly understand that? How could I possibly understand the God of glory stepping out of heaven to come and live on this earth in flesh only to die for my sins? Listen to me. I don't know either. I don't know either. But I want you to listen very carefully. Listen and say amen. We can't understand the reason. We can't understand all the details. But we can sure understand why he did it. He did it because of love. God is love. And he showed it. To me. And to you. But John answers the third question. And this one should pierce our souls. Because the question that John answers is, what does God's love demand? 
See, after trying to grasp the definition of God's love, after trying to understand how God demonstrated his love, there's one thing that comes to light. God's love demands a response. God's love demands a response from you and I. Verse 11, let's read it together. Beloved, if God so loved us, if God loved you that way, we also ought to love one another. How many of you know that everybody's got relationships with other believers that are, say, challenging? We all know Christians who sometimes forget to take their Christianity out the door on Sunday mornings. Amen? Amen? Okay. We all know that one brother or sister in Christ whom you've thought this. I know he's my brother in Christ. And I know I'm supposed to love him. But boy, he sure does make it tough sometimes. And I know that person's probably me. But you can't love me out of your own ability. You see, friend, we, we got to know that, that we don't have the capacity to love people no matter what. But God does. Human love typically... Only loves that which is lovable. So that being the case, how are we as Christians supposed to love people who are unlovable? Well, if God loved unlovable me, then he can probably love my unlovable friend through me. Amen? That's the only way it's going to happen, y'all. It's the only way that it's going to happen. And I believe that we should at least try. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. But Bill, how? How do we walk in God's kind of love? How do we, how do we flesh out the love of God in our life? How do we make that happen? Well, I'm going to give you three quick ways. If you're going to flesh out God's love in your life, you're going to have to learn to love unconditionally. I'm so thankful that God didn't demand that I clean up my act before he said, I love you, Bill. I'd be in a world of hurt. Instead, God loved me just the way I was, and he loved me enough not to leave me that way. That's how unconditional love works. Unconditional love, listen, loves in spite of all those reasons that you have for not loving somebody. It loves anyway. Paul said to the Romans in Romans 5.8 that God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, get this, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Friends, that is the, that is the clearest statement 
of unconditional love I have ever heard. While I was still a wretched sinner, the Son of God died for me. See, God loves us when there is absolutely nothing lovable about us. Think about it. We ignore his presence. Listen to me. We break his commands. We profane his name. We reject his grace. We blame him when it's not his fault. And sometimes we even deny his son. Maybe not by words, but by our actions. So what human reason did God have for loving us? And yet he did. Yet he did. John says that without compromise and no excuses, no excuses, we are to love one another the same way. Again, you don't have the ability, friend. You don't have the capacity to do that, but the God in you does. You just got to get out of the way. I read that we are never more like God than we are when we are loving like God. We're never more like God than when we are loving like God. I mean, if we only love the unlovable, heck, we ain't no different than the world. But we are different from the world. And we are called to love unconditionally just like God. But if you're going to flesh it out, if you're going to walk in the love of God, then you're also going to need to learn to love sacrificially. In 1 John chapter 3.16, I already read the first verse, but God's love is shown to be sacrificial love. Verse 16, chapter 3, 1 John, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But listen, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how could the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. I read about a female Salvation Army worker who was out on the street and encountered this very poor, poor homeless woman. And she had invited that homeless woman to come to the, to the shelter, to come to the chapel. And that way she could receive the help that she needed. Over and over again, that Salvation Army worker told this homeless worker, God loves you and we love you. But that homeless woman would not budge. She wasn't coming. It wasn't until that Salvation Army worker bent down and hugged her big and kissed her on the cheek that that homeless woman got up and walked to the shelter and got help in the chapel, the help that she needed. Later, that homeless woman confessed, 
You told me about the fact that God loved me. But it wasn't until you showed me that I wanted to be saved. It wasn't until you showed me that I wanted to be saved. Friend, listen, we can tell people about God's love to a blue in the face. But until they experience God's love with their senses, our words will fall on deaf ears. They got to experience it. They got to feel it. They got to feel the love of God. I think we need to do a better job as Christians, the Christian community. We need to do a better job of showing God's love, even if it requires sacrifice. Even if it requires overcoming fear. Even if it requires getting out of your comfort zone. We need to do a better job of showing God's love. We flesh it out. We make real the love of God when we love unconditionally and when we love sacrificially. But finally today, we must also learn to love personally. If you'll go back to 1 John chapter 4, look at verse 20. John says, if somebody says, I love God. You've heard them. I love God and hates his brother. He's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen. How can he love God whom he has not seen? And listen. And this commandment, and this commandment we have from him, from God, that he who loves God must, say must, must love his brother also. That's a commandment of God on your life today. Love one another. One thing I've heard on many occasions about Bethel Baptist Church is that is such a loving church. And it honors me, it blesses my soul to hear that. But the only reason that we're a loving church is because we're made up of loving individuals. You see, churches can't love. People love. Individuals love. So that means that Love is expressed. God's love is expressed one person at the time. One person at the time. One shopper at the dollar store. One person in need. One child who needs to be loved. One woman who needs to be encouraged. One man who needs to be sharpened. One person at the time. See, I think that a lot more people will see God if they see us loving like God. That's the way God loves us. One person at a time. And we're to love others the same way. I mean, if we claim to be Christians, y'all, we got to love like God. And when people then see us, Guess who they're going to see? They're going to see God. Today, friend, as you reflect on God's unconditional, sacrificial, and personal love for you, 
I pray that you have heard the commandment of God on your life that we must love one another. That we must love one another. Loved ones, you who are loved by God. If God so loved you, we also ought to love one another. So as we walk with God on this side of heaven, let's make sure we love unconditionally. Let's make sure we love sacrificially. Make sure we love personally. My friend, have you received the gift of God's love? John wrote it in his gospel. He said that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his one and only, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. If you haven't received this gift of God, if you don't know the love of God and you don't show the love of God in your life, it's probably time to get right with God. Would you come and receive the gift? For you believers, for you loved ones, for you who are loved by God, we also ought to love one another. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you for your unconditional, sacrificial, and very personal love for us. Lord, for those who choose to believe and place their faith in Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he gave on the cross, eternal life is the reward. Our, our relationship with you for all eternity is the blessing. And Father, the fellowship that we can enjoy day to day uh, truly can be ours if we'll simply surrender our lives for your glory. Father, thank you for your love. Now, Lord, pray, I pray that we would have, take up that high and holy command that we must love one another. No, we can't do it, God, but you can do it through us. And so, Father, I pray that each one of us here today would resolve that we're getting out of the way. The flesh is going to be subdued. The flesh is going to be put aside so that the love of God can be manifested and people will see you in the way we love. Lord, have your will in your way in this decision time. Father, draw those that only you can draw. And we'll give you praise in advance for what you're going to do during this decision time. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said.